Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, re-elected president of Keystone Egg Producers, Bill Campbell, joins us with his annual address made yesterday during day one of the Farm Group's virtual annual general meeting. And Manitoba Ag Day's general manager, Kristen Phillips, talks about the decision to cancel this year's event. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Resiliency. That's what CAP President Bill Campbell said came to mind when pondering the past year. Campbell delivered his address yesterday during day one of Keystone Egg Producers' virtual annual general meeting. Last summer, we consulted broadly to understand and address the challenges facing our industry. We focused on effectively coordinating a common approach and providing a unified voice on the critical issues facing agriculture. And it's an understatement to say that 2021 was a challenging year. Drought conditions impacted and will likely continue to impact farmers in every sector across Manitoba. Our priority was and continues to be on advocacy and education to ensure that the right information, support, and tools are available. By bringing together a drought coalition of our effective commodity group members, we delivered an effective message to government as we work together to find solutions. Our executive and staff met with provincial and federal decision makers, including Premiers Gertsen and Stephenson, along with Minister Peterson and Minister Eichler and Minister Bebo, to share farmers' experiences and to advocate for assistance. CAP helped facilitate discussions and feedback on agri-recovery programs to support the livestock producers. This included approximately $150 million in the agri-recovery program. It also included CAP's work with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture with regards to a Hay West program. It's our understanding that forages are still available for producers in Manitoba. It also ensured that crop producers knew their options with drought-related crops. We continue to work on the drought, focusing on medium and long-term needs through our discussions and consultations with the province and our partners. I do want to take a moment here to say that we appreciate the collaboration and commitment of commodity groups and all levels of government to address the drought. Switching gears, I do want to address the growing concerns when it comes to transportation. We've been discussing the situation with our partners in agriculture and trucking industries. We're all aware that farmers rely on an efficient, although strained, system to deliver products and receive shipments. Any challenges can seriously affect food security and the economic competitiveness of an individual operations. This is a message CAP has brought forward to decision makers because the federal government has to ensure that farmers have timely access to domestic and international markets. Another issue that we've been working on involves private grade crossings. CAP has been lobbying the federal government to reduce the financial burden on landowners associated with maintenance and upgrades to private grade crossings. 
We were pleased that Transport Canada amended parts of the Great Crossing Regulations in November. This included the addition of low-risk grade crossing category that exempts most field-to-field crossings from majority of sections under the grade crossing regulations. These amendments really highlight the importance of working together to achieve results. On another note, last year, CAP continued to call for action on carbon pricing and education taxes. We recently met with Premier Stephenson and with provincial cabinet ministers to discuss Manitoba's path forward on both files. These issues have a serious impact on competitiveness of agriculture. Earlier this month, we reiterated our call for the provincial and federal governments to work together to find a solution to carbon pricing in Manitoba. Farmers are price takers and they can't pass on these costs to our consumers. While the federal rebate announced in December is a good step forward, our initial analysis and conversations indicate that it doesn't go far enough. We've been clear that in Manitoba, any plan, including an exemption on fuel used for drying grain and heating heating barns, and return all tax revenue earned from agriculture activities to the sector. We've also emphasized the need for an equitable model of education funding in Manitoba, along with our desire to see education property taxes removed from farmland. CAP has called on the provincial government to continue removing education property taxes to ensure a stable and competitive environment. We were pleased that the province began moving education property taxes in 2021 and that a review of Manitoba's education funding system is underway. Education funding is a long-standing issue for farmers and we're looking forward to work on this issue with the province. Day two of the virtual AGM continues today. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. And now for a look at your farm news. I'm Candace Dirksen. Bill Campbell has been re-elected to another term as president of Keystone Egg Producers. The Minto area farmer was first appointed to the post in 2018 and ran unchallenged this time around. Also re-elected during day one of the organization's annual meeting were Vice Presidents Jill Verway and Jake Eyre. Day two of the virtual AGM goes today. Manitoba Agriculture Minister Derek Johnson shared details of the province's 2022 agri-insurance program during day one of CAP's virtual annual meeting yesterday. I am pleased to announce that agri-insurance coverage is expected to reach a record level of $4.66 billion in Manitoba this year. Average coverage is estimated to be $463 per acre compared to $321 uh, per acre in 2021. This substantial increase in coverage reflects the expectation of continued strength in the commodity prices. Johnson announced several other program enhancements for 2022. They include the introduction of a new polycrop establishment insurance, an increase in the indemnity level for table and processing potatoes destroyed prior to harvest from 85% to 90%, an updated vegetable acreage loss insurance to reduce the minimum required acres for the program to one-half from three. 
And the NDP's critic for agriculture is calling on the province's new ag minister to get straight to work with the federal government to ensure producers are paying a fair price for fertilizer. In a news release, Diljeet Brar said producers are sounding the alarm about the rapid increase in fertilizer prices and feed shortages. The National Farmers Union has called for an investigation into fertilizer pricing, citing market monopolization as the key driver of inflated prices. The Manitoba NDP says it believes the province has a role to play in working with the federal government to ensure a fair and competitive marketplace and support producers. The Prairie Ag Wire is coming up. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Wednesday, January 26th. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler was online for the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Winter Pulse Meeting yesterday and focuses in on a presentation dealing with anthracnose in lentils. The Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Winter Pulse Meeting yesterday went virtual. Glenda Lee Allen Vosser was online for the event and focuses in on presentations dealing with anthracnose in lentils. Dr. Michelle Hubbard is a research scientist with agriculture and agri-food and notes it's the most important foliar disease in lentils. It causes um, symptoms that typically start low in the canopy and can include stem lesions as well as water-soaked lesions on leaves. And as it moves up the canopy, it can lead to leaf drop. And if the symptoms become severe enough and actually girdle the stem, meaning they wrap up all the way around the stem, they can cause lodging as the stem might break or nutrient supply could be cut off to the upper part of the plant. The anthracnose life cycle um, involves survival of pathogen inoculum or the spores from year to year. And, and then once the spores are present and lentils are present to be infected, infection can spread from plant to plant multiple times over the growing season by wind or rain spreading the inoculum from one plant to another. And so some of these pictures show just a microscope image of a spore and then more advanced lesions where you can see the microsclerotia or sclerotia or the little black dots in which spores are produced. And as I'm sure you're aware, especially after last year, the environment can have a big impact. And as with most diseases, a wetter environment tends to promote disease and more extreme temperatures, such as cooler temperatures or extreme heat, can reduce disease. And then in terms of management options, fungicides are important, um, but before you decide about a spray application, scouting is also important. And if you do decide to spray, it's important to do it early as a preventative spray and before the canopy closes, um, around flowering, and this is in part to ensure good coverage with your fungicide, that you can actually get into that lower part of the canopy where the disease is. And then, as I mentioned, the inoculum or the spores survive in the debris over time, 
So this leads to the importance of a good crop rotation and not growing lentils multiple times in four years. There are varieties with genetic resistance to anthracnose, but this resistance is only against the less common and less virulent or less disease-causing race one. So even if you choose a resistant variety, you're still at risk. Other strategies could include doing what you can to avoid a very dense canopy, so not planting too densely. And something that, in, that I think may have potential is intercropping. I say may because intercropping can help with some other foliar diseases, but there's really no research as yet on its impact in lentil. But and if you do um, decide to try intercropping, I would love to hear about it because it's an area that I'm very interested in. So now to move into fungicides, they are a very important tool that's commonly used for managing anthracnose. Um, they can act in many different ways and are classified based on active ingredients that can fall into various groups. And for um, those that manage anthracnose of lentil, strobilurins or group 11s are the most prevalent and the most common, followed by group 7s or succinate dehydrogenase inhibitors, and then group 3s, which are demethylation inhibitors. And then a, uh, another option is M5 or M3s, um, which are contact-based. She notes producers need to be aware of fungicide insensitivity and the fact that some fungicides are more at risk than others. Certain fungicides are more at risk for resistance developing to them than others. And group 11s are at the highest risk in part because there's just a single mutation. So a change in one base in DNA can lead to pretty much total resistance to this group. And then group threes and group sevens are at medium risk. And then the contact-based M5 and M3 group are at a lower risk. She says based on some of the research that she's done and others have done, as a grower, she suggests you might want to assume you do have insensitivity to group 11. And if you and consider using fungicides that don't have a group 11 active, definitely don't do two applications of fungicide that contain a group 11 within a single season. If you apply a fungicide, do it early before canopy closure and keep track of what you've done. Use good crop rotations, do what you can otherwise to maintain a healthy crop in terms of weed control or fertility, etc. Consider trying intercropping, though I would advise starting small if you're new to it. And to facilitate the survey that I'm planning for 2022, I'd encourage you to sign up for the press monitoring program online. Michelle Hubbard is a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada out of the Swift Current Research and Development Centre. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee allen Vossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. 
Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. Day two of Keystone Egg Producers' 38th annual meeting is underway today with a virtual format. Manitoba Agricultural Diversification Center's potato production days continue today and tomorrow at Brandon Keystone Center. Manitoba Forage Seed is going virtual today and tomorrow with its annual meeting. Visit their website for a list of agenda items and to register. The Direct Farm Marketing Conference has moved online and is taking place February 1st to 5th. Visit directfarmmanitoba.ca for more information. An online beekeeping for the hobbyist course begins February 2nd at 7 o'clock. Sessions will be every Wednesday except February 23rd until March 30th. Cost is $230 and you can register with the University of Manitoba Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences. Manitoba Crop Alliance Combine to Customer Workshops begin February 6th to 9th with sessions following on the 22nd to 25th and March 6th to 9th. Get all the details, including registration, on the Manitoba Crop Alliance website. Beef and Forage Days next week in Austin, Ericsdale and Grandview have been cancelled due to the current COVID situation. And the official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available online. It's endorsed by the province of Manitoba and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, Barry Lamb spoke with Kristen Phillips, General Manager for Manitoba Ag Days, following the decision earlier this week to cancel this year's event. Uh, just, you know, the logistics of trying to organize an event of, of the magnitude of our size is a difficult task within the Keystone Centre. We cannot thank the Keystone enough for, you know, working with us and trying to accommodate our show. Um, but there are other events that are going to happen in the Keystone Centre that are able to move forward with the current restrictions in place. And so we really want to see those events happen and thrive. Your group puts a lot of work into this. How disappointing to have to go this direction? You know, it's extremely disappointing um, you know, we were one of the fortunate ones that were able to move forward with a 2020 event. So we only missed 2021 and, and felt very grateful to be able to, to move forward with a 2022 event. We really wanted to put the show on for the industry. You know, our exhibitors and our patrons, they really wanted this event. And we know that agriculture is so much about, you know, handshakes and face-to-face interactions. And so it is extremely disappointing that we cannot move forward with a 2022 event. Farmers are known as a resilient group. How about your committee and this show, uh, two years without an actual face-to-face event? uh, How confident are you about 2023 and what lies ahead? Yeah, you know, our our group is made up of farmers. That's really what we are. Um, For those that don't know, we are a non-profit organization made up of of farmers, three industry reps, and three government reps. And so we're not a, a multinational company that puts on this show. We really are farmers putting this event on for the egg industry and uh, there is no more no group more resilient than a group of farmers so I know that our board will put our thinking caps on and and really work hard to put on an amazing event in 2023. Talk about the farmers not being able to come to a show like this how much do they miss not having this major event each year to to come and see everything? Uh, you know, I, I know that the industry missed it so much. We we received so many messages and communications 
from growers and, and, and industry telling us how much they missed Manitoba Egg Days last week. Um, you know, there was lots of shop parties or Egg Day shop parties that occurred, and, and it just shows how much the industry really wants to be back together. And we're so sad that we weren't able to deliver on that this year. How have the exhibitors and sponsors been to work through all of this? Uh, so, Barry, they all just found out the exact same time that you did. The announcement was just made this morning. So we uh, we are in communication with all of our exhibitors and sponsors, and um, we'll work through this with them. So our 50-50 still went last week. We were on, weren't able to change our lottery license. So we, we have to thank everyone, you know, especially our media partners that helped us with promoting the, the 50-50. Um, it was an extreme success. Uh, we raised $25,710. And so half of that money will go out to the winner. And then half of the money goes into our Egg Days Give Back Fund, which is actually giving out $28,000 this year. We'd already committed that as part of our commitment. And those individuals were going to be announced at the show. So we are giving out to 15 different communities throughout Manitoba. Um, they're getting $1,000 each for their community centre or rink. $10,000 is going out to agriculture in the classroom Manitoba, and then $3,000 will go out to our diploma and degree scholarships at ACC and U of M. And just finally again, with health orders changing over the next week here, were you not confident enough that there'd be a, a big enough crowd allowed into the Keystone, or was it just a combination of that and, and actually getting dates with the Keystone Centre? So we actually had the opportunity to talk with the Minister of Health's team yesterday, and uh, they were unable to give us any kind of a reopening plan um, moving forward into February or March. And so with the uncertainty of, of that reopening plan, um, it just doesn't make sense. 250 people in a 540,000-square-foot building um, doesn't make for a great farm show. That was General Manager for Manitoba Ag Day's Kristen Phillips talking about the decision made earlier this week to cancel this year's event. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at your farm news. Several enhancements are coming this year to Manitoba's agri-insurance program. Agriculture Minister Derek Johnson shared the details during day one of Keystone Ag Producers' virtual annual general meeting yesterday. Based on your advice, MASC is introducing several changes, including a new polycrop establishment insurance that will provide financial assistance if an eligible polycrop fails to establish. An increase in the indemnity level for table and processing potatoes destroyed prior to harvest is also going from 85% to 90%. And a reduction in the minimum acreage requirement for vegetable acreage loss insurance. And with dollar values for many crops mostly higher than the previous year, even reaching record levels in many cases, total agri-insurance coverage for 2022 is expected to exceed $4.66 billion on 9.8 million acres. The average coverage is estimated at $463 per acre, compared to $321 per acre in 2021. Bill Campbell has been re-elected to another term as president of Keystone Egg Producers. The Mento area farmer was first appointed to the post in 2018 and ran unchallenged this time around. Also re-elected during day one of the organization's AGM were Vice Presidents Jill Verway and Jake Eyre. It is with uh, great appreciation that I have accepted the role of president for 2022-2023. Uh, 
and uh, look forward to working with our vice presidents, Jill Bearway and Jake Ayer. Uh, so uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for that endorsement. Day two of the virtual annual meeting goes today. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.